T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome. Happy Sunday fun day. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy. Brenda, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the B-Team. First Sunday in February that we're together and uh, appreciate you tuning in as always. Yeah, hope everyone enjoyed Super Bowl Sunday. I had a good run that day. Had a good run yesterday, too. Yes, you too. did, Joe. Congrats. But that, I don't want to cut into Nate's time, so right. we will talk about that, about that at another time. This hour, we have NY27 candidate from the Democrat Party, Nate McMurray. Nate, good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, first, this is the first time we're talking to you since you've had the endorsement of the counties in the district. So congratulations. Thank you. What do you think? Uh, easy first question. What do you think of your opponent, Chris Jacobs, running on the GOP ticket? Well, I think probably the same thing a lot of your listeners do. I'm kind of confused by it. I think that uh, Chris has been almost a liberal at some points in his life, and then he became a Republican, uh, and then he became, he was supportive of many of the policies of Andrew Cuomo. His family has holds huge fundraisers for Mr. Cuomo. Uh, he was afraid to say Donald Trump's name, and now he's suddenly a Trump supporter. And I'm not the one saying this. I mean, this is coming from the conservatives. That's why the conservatives have endorsed somebody else. This is coming from many other people. So I was kind of surprised among the candidates that were available that he was chosen. Uh, is he, in your mind, uh, Nate, just a Republican in name only, a rhino, a typical rhino that, that we often hear about? Yeah, I, I'm, he, you know, it's not easy to be so blunt, but I think, to be honest, I don't think he knows what he is. He'll say what he is, but I think he's listening to consultants. Uh, I think he is trying to get elected. And if he's trying just to get elected to be elected, you have to ask, what's the point? Um, I also think it's, I, it's fair to bring up the fact that he is so wealthy. I mean, his disclosures state his wealth, and most of it comes from inherited wealth. Um, and I think when you have one of the it's worst job markets in the country in NY27, the average household is somewhere between thirty dollars and $50,000 a year. I'm not sure how a person who has never struggled to pay a bill or never struggled to you know, pay for health care or never struggled to find a job, can really relate or understand the needs of the people of this region. Well, I mean, there are certainly politicians of every ilk across this country, government leaders of every ilk, who have not stood in line for government cheese. Do you think that's really a good uh, analogy? That if you haven't struggled to pay a bill, you can't relate? I mean, look at President Trump. Well, I think, it, I think it's reflected in his policies and the policies that he advocates for. I think that there is, there's no doubt I'm going to Congress for one reason only, to fight for my family and the people I love. And I know the problems they face, the problems that many of your listeners face. Almost 80% of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. So when I go to Washington, I'm not going to there to serve the interests of you know, any big corporation or any, anybody else besides the people of this region. 
And I think it, it is relevant. If, if it's not relevant, then he can say why it's not relevant. But I think it is very relevant. I grew up going to community college, working my way up. I understand the challenges people face. I understand how difficult it is to pay for health care. We're struggling with health care right now in my family. I know the challenges that people face because I face them myself. And that's why I'm going to go there to resolve those problems. You know, Nate, I read recently, I think it was on Twitter, that uh, you had to take your child to the doctor and pay 100 bucks out of pocket. Um, is that something that you talk about on the campaign trail with people? You've got a very, very wide district, NY27, eight counties. And when you are talking to folks, whether it's urban, suburban, rural, is health care the number one issue that they bring up? Health care and jobs. Um, you know, my opponent is, is a career politician. He has been in almost every single level of government. Now he's trying to take it to the next level. And you have to ask, when you have a region with so little jobs, what has he done to create jobs? What has he done to actually help this region? He's had a chance. He's had a history not doing much. I mean, his record is, is it's, it's very vapid. And when you have his flip-flopping on policies and positions, I think people have to, to ask about it. But back to your first question, is health care a priority for a lot of people? Absolutely, including my own family. Now, President Trump, when he ran himself, he said he was going to give us a beautiful, wonderful plan that was going to cover every single American. I mean, that's the back. I'm all for that. If we're going to figure out a way to do that, I'm all for that. That's what I'm fighting for, too. And I'm willing to figure out ways to get there. What I'm not willing to do is to say it's right to close rural hospitals. It's right for children to go without. It's right for corporations to gouge people on insulin costs. Listen, I was just recently at the... uh, in Medina at the hospital, talking to the nurses. Do the, the listeners out there should realize this. When you go there at night, there might be just one nurse in the emergency room. One nurse. Now, if you're schiz- a schizophrenic person comes off the street, or if someone has a car accident, they have to call for help at the hospital in the most wealthy country in the world because our health care is done for profit and not for care. So, yes, it's a huge priority for me personally, and it's what I'll fight for when I go to Washington. All right, Nate. Um, when you do go to Washington, if you win the election, will you be willing to work with Republicans as well as Democrats? Because going as a Democrat, we see this division in Washington, D.C. now. I mean, it's at an all-time, in my opinion, an all-time div- divide. A, what do you think about that? And B, would you be willing to work with not only Republicans, work with President Trump if it's something that you believe will help your constituents? If President Trump came to me and said, Nate, I need your help to find a way to get every American covered with health care, I'd be like, let's do it. Let's put our differences aside and figure out a way. You know, I don't like him. I think his rhetoric is abusive. I think that, you know, if I were to use some of the language he used right now on the air, you'd be, you'd be fined. I mean, I can literally start quoting him and you'd be fined. I think there's a double standard for the way he acts, and I think it's wrong. I think it's not the way I was raised, and a lot of your listeners weren't raised. I mean, if I started doing it, you guys would throw me out of the studio if I started using the language he uses in the Oval Office and he uses in the White House. But do you think you could put that aside? Yes. And what do you have to say about people, members of Congress who right now, I don't think they could put that aside? They're not putting their— They have, they have to. And one of the things I can do is—listen, I'm dissatisfied with both parties. And I think a lot of your listeners, too. I've been saying this for two years. I never, I'm never. i proud of the Democratic Party, a lot of the values they hold, but not the party, some of the things that are happening today. I'm, a part, I'm proud of the party of RFK, part of the party that was for work and people. That's who I am. Those are my roots. My dad was a union guy. My family were all union people. 
That's who we are. We want to fight for working people. But I think some of the rhetoric in Washington is crazy. But here's the good news. If I do go to Washington, we will have a Democratic majority, and I'll be able to work with that Democratic majority and hopefully shape that Democratic majority to reflect some of the values of the people of NY27 share. All right. Just getting started here on Hardline. Nate McMurray is our guest for the full hour in studio. Chris Jacobs will have his chance to respond at 11. So stay tuned for that. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Believe it or not, I still have the streamer, one of the streamers that came from uh, down from the ceiling after the, con- the Kiss concert in my pocket, in my jacket. What are you going to do with it, Joe? I have no idea. I think you should I- pin it to the mic. You know, like Stevie Nicks puts the uh, scarves in the streamers. <laughs> By the way, David Lee Roth does that. Yes. So he can still spin the mic right. since it's not on a cord. See, there you go. Every <laughs> Friday when you're doing the show. That's right. <laughs> then we know it's you in here. We are talking with Nate McMurray this hour. He is the NY27 candidate for the Democrat Party. And Nate, let's get into what we were talking about first off air. We actually, in that five minutes, covered a lot of things off air. Did. So first, let's talk about something we touched on in the first segment. And not only division in in Washington, but the division just amongst people, amongst civilization. It seems now you have people out there that can't even converse with people they used to call friends over their political leanings. Have you seen this at your rallies? Have you seen this when talking to people? And what do you think about it? Well, no. On the ground, I don't see it so much. Like, you and I are different in a lot of ways in our belief system, but I can come in here and have a, a, a civil conversation with you, and we joke with each other and chide each other, and you say, you're totally wrong, Nate, and I'll say, you're wrong, Joe, and there's no problem. But I do think, uh, listen, I'm different than a lot of your listeners. I blame the leadership from the top. You could go both sides, but who's the man at the top? It's Trump. And if you don't think he's divisive, I don't know what to say. I mean, look at those press conferences. He's calling people his enemies. He's saying we have to destroy these people. I think he, if he came out the other day after the, after the acquittal and said, look, it, it's time for us to move on. I don't agree with Mitt Romney. I don't agree with Nancy Pelosi. But it, I believe we need to forgive each other and find common ground. It would have healed this country. And his popularity would have went through the roof. Instead, he said, she's a very, very bad person. Uh, you know, we gotta, you know, he, and that whole, it looked like Venezuela or something. I'll be honest with you. It did not look like America. And I'm not going to be afraid to say that. But that's not his style, right, Nate? Clearly. And if if that were his style, he probably wouldn't be the president because I think that's one of the reasons he got elected is because he is so different, so uh, willing to, if you punch me, I'm going to punch you back harder. That's what his whole persona is built on. So the idea of him coming out and being conciliatory, I think, is not realistic. But he, we're talking about a division in our country. And I think that if you see, I, I start, if you look at what's happening in Washington, it, if you look at his Twitter feed right now, it's a nonstop stream of, I'm going to get this person, this person's terrible, you know, we're going to go after him. You know, eventually, this is going to shred the whole country. And I know, you, and no matter what you say or say to me right now, everyone listening knows if President Obama or President Clinton or even President Bush acted like that, people would have been outraged. And if you think about the last two presidential candidates from the GOP were Mitt Romney and John McCain the two most hated people by our, by our president, practically. I think we have to, if I met President Trump, I'd say, President, you are obviously a great communicator. You're obviously clever. 
please help us fix this because we all hate each other and you're the boss. Go ahead. Could you, could you also point to Congress and their impeachment? That was divisive. The way Governor Cuomo talks about the president is divisive. Sometimes p- politicians, and, and Nate, you know I love you, but on Twitter, some of that stuff is very divisive. So sure. don't you think everyone is somewhat responsible for the division we're seeing? I do. I do. But at the same time, there are certain values and certain lines that can't be crossed. And we can disagree about it right now on the fact that, well, you may say President Trump didn't do anything. I don't agree with that. And a lot of GOP senators didn't agree with it, not just Mitt Romney. They said, look it, there was serious impropriety here. We're hoping he learns from the fact that he went through this. I mean, they said that, not just me. So I think there's, there is a lot of blame to go around, but leadership comes from the top. I'll try to find ways to work with President Trump. I do not like President Trump. I'm not going to lie about it. My opponent wouldn't even say his name. It was Voldemort or something a couple years ago, the name that couldn't be said. Suddenly, he wants to say he loves the guy every single day. At least your listeners know that I'm not going to lie to them. And President Trump, if you're listening, I doubt you are, but if you are, look, I'm not going to lie to you either. But I'm going to sit down with you if I get the chance, if I go to Congress, and I'm going to say, how can we find ways to work together? And if you can find a ways to work with me, heck, I'll find ways to work with you. I want to hear a little bit more about what you hear on the campaign trail, Nate. You ran hard the last time, narrowly lost to Chris Collins. We all know what happened with him. So you talked about jobs and health care. Is it mostly uh, what you hear from folks in the rural district, or is it pretty much across the board? It's across the board. Everywhere you go, people are saying, look it, i got to figure out a way to make, you know, to, to make ends meet. And my whole thing is, what are these candidates who are out there not just, not just the ones coming in later, all the ones that want to be in this seat. What are they doing to make lives better for the people here? Now, mostly what I hear is they're going there to serve Donald Trump. They're like, I'm going to be Trump's guy. I love Trump most. It's like a Trump love off. My thing is, I'm not going there to serve Trump or Nancy Pelosi or anybody else. I am going there to serve the people of NY27. Our needs are unique. This is a place that is having a lot of problems. And we've had two GOP congressmen resign in disgrace. Two Chris's, Chris Lee, Chris Collins, and now we got a third Chris coming. Three millionaire Chris's. I think we need to change course. We can't make that mistake again. But what do you say to someone who might be on the fence, NY27, which is a Trump district, this district went heavily for Trump. They Maybe they don't like Chris Jacobs. They like some of the things you're saying, but in November, they are going to vote for Trump. Why should they also vote for you? Well, here's the thing. Everyone listening, April 28th, you got a chance. Even if you don't like me, just stay home. Because guess what? Nobody wants Chris Jacobs on the ballot. That's why you see much. Look at, look at what the conservatives are saying or other Republicans are saying. If you put me in there April 28th, you have a few months to test me out. See if I'm as bad as they say I am. And then we'll have a real competition in November against somebody you really like, not the guy that's coming in in 30 minutes. What about uh, the Beth Perlato factor? Nate, I mean, here the conservatives uh, look like they're backing her uh, over Rob Ort, who I think many people thought they might back. Do you think that she's a wild card in this race? I give Beth Perletto some credit. At least she's got some guts to stand up and say, I'm going to be there. Look, I don't agree with her policies, but I give the conservatives some credit, too. They didn't sell out. They picked the person they thought was best for the job, not a guy that has been a liberal most of his life and suddenly loves Trump that wouldn't say his name. I give them a ton of credit for doing what they thought was right in their hearts, even if I disagree with the policies of Beth Perlato. 
Speaking of Beth Parlato, I, I, I have to say another comment on your Twitter. Do you regret maybe tweeting at Jim Kelly because he put his support toward Beth Parlato? No way. It was, it was in jest. It was fun. Come on. I mean, I mean, listen, the guy's as tough as nails. Look at how he played. He, if, that, if that hurt his feelings, I don't think it. Look, look what he's been through in his life. I think he's okay. So, uh, speaking of Twitter, Joe and Nate, uh, <laughs> Nate, you're pretty active on Twitter, and you actually talked about a cult-like obsession that people have with President Trump. Do you really think people are that cult-like when it comes to following the president? I mean, even his supporters will say, there's not everything I like about the guy, but I've, my 401k is really doing better. The economy is humming. You know, the president often cites how unemployment rates have gone down for African-Americans and Hispanics. So do you feel like calling that, that his followers cult-like is almost disingenuous? No, not all of his followers are cult-like, clearly. There's a lot of smart people that follow President Trump. But there are people that no matter what fact you throw at them, they're going to say, no, I don't believe it. He's a good family man. I mean, that's what we hear. I mean, does anyone listening think he's a really good family man? Let me throw another one at you. You talk about the economy. Well, listen, how many people listening right now have a 401k? Let's be honest. In NY27, how many of you actually have a 401k? How many of you live paycheck to paycheck? How many of you can actually afford your copay? Is life really getting better? Now, the GDP under Trump, the growth, the growth rate is lower, lower than under Jimmy Carter. And you're going to say, well, there's tons of jobs that are being created. Not in the manufacturing sector like you promised. Let's go through his promises for a second. He said he was going to build the wall with Mexican money. Where's the Mexican money? It's billions of dollars of taxes that's paying for that wall. He said a lot of things like that. He said he's going to cut the deficit. He's added $3 trillion to the deficit. So when I say that, I'm saying you need to look at these facts. Now, if I say these facts, there's people right now listening boiling over. But we need to look at those numbers. We need to look at the truth and say, because he's the best salesman in the world. He got people to buy those Trump steaks. He got people to go to Trump University and strip malls. This is the best salesman in the world. You need to look beyond the sales point and say, what's the reality, Mr. Trump? Is it really better for people in NY27? Are the manufacturing jobs coming back? Are things getting better? Is Mexico paying for the wall? Is the deficit going down? And the answer is no. All right. Much more with Nate McMurray when we come back. But first, we've got to get up to date with the news headlines here on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy, and Nate McMurray for another half hour. 
Next hour, we will have his opponent, Chris Jacobson, to answer a few questions and set up what will be a very entertaining few months as we get into not only baseball season, uh, (laughs) but the NY27 election. Yes, I said it to Randy this morning. It seems like we've been talking NY27 longer than any other congressional district I can ever remember getting this much press. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think all of a sudden there's a national spotlight on it as well. And who would have ever thought that would be the case? And that leads me to this question, Nate. Um, After Chris Collins was sentenced uh, just a few short weeks ago, you came out and were pretty harsh, I thought, about the sentencing. Do you have any regrets about what you said? No, he stole the seat. I mean, he told you that he was not guilty. And a lot of people said he wasn't guilty. Some of the people that want to fill the seat now, they stood on stage with him and said, he's a good man, he's not guilty. And we saw the videotape of him committing that crime on the White House lawn. Now, before that, people forget this. This is why I first ran against Chris Collins. People said he was unbeatable, he had millions and millions of dollars. And I said, well, someone needs to stand up to him. Because I read that ethics complaint that was filed against him for using his office to sell stock. And to, you know, try to get drugs approved um, through his office on, on Capitol Hill. And I said, look, someone needs to stand up to this guy. Meanwhile, Chris Jacobs and all the rest, they were nowhere to be found. No one said a word. And, you know, I got to tell you, still, when I walk around NY27 or I walk to the grocery store, people come up to me and say, Nate, I know you had an uphill battle. There's a 100,000 vote enrollment differential between Republicans and Democrats and NY27. It's one of the hardest places to, to run. And, you know, we have an uphill battle, and, and nonetheless, I stood up to Chris Collins, and I think people give us credit for that, and I think it was the right thing to do, and it's something I'll be proud of no matter what happens next. Were you surprised that his son did not receive any jail time? I, I feel sorry for his son. I think, if, listen, let's be honest. My dad called me, someone I trusted who was a congressman, and said, do this, I'd do it too. And I think his son buries, carries a stain that maybe he doesn't quite deserve. And maybe his son, you know, winces hearing me say that, but I I do feel a little bit sorry for his son. Nate, uh, last segment we talked about unemployment, and especially in New York State. Now, nationally, we have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the last 50 years. Why do you think in New York State, and especially NY27, that's not translating to the constituents here? Well, if you look at the representation in New York City, people are going to say, well, Andrew Cuomo was the, was the good governor. Well, I want to make a point on that real quick. My, uh, my competitor's family has hosted many fundraisers for Andrew Cuomo and raised him hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I want everyone out there to remember that. Um, but listen, it goes beyond that. We also have a lot of misrepresentation in upstate. This is, upstate is, is GOP run. We have seats like we had in NY27 where you could run a, a Republican who was a ham sandwich or a Chris Collins and still win. There was very little accountability. And I also think this tax scam that President Trump passed hurt upstate New York. You can no longer deduct state and local taxes. That hurts almost every person listening to me right now. And now the fact that he's removed Nexus and other travel, uh, you know, uh, frequent travel programs from New York State residents, he is targeting and punishing New York State. We are a giver state. Everyone out there has to understand that. Our, we get less money back than what we pay that we get less money back than what we pay in federal taxes because we supplement many of those southern states, some of those other states that have a little bit better economies than we do right now. I think there needs to be someone who goes to Washington and says, I am not going to fight for anybody else besides the residents of New York State. Chris Collins should not have supported that tax giveaway. 
which punished New York State residents. And anybody who's going to D.C. needs to tell them, listen, if you're going to hurt our economy by taking away this Nexus program, these freaking traveler programs, you need to stop it right now. New York State needs that money. But if you look at states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, very relatable states to New York, they're seeing low unemployment. They're seeing a surplus. Don't you think some of the blame has to be on people who run New York State if other states are, are seeing the benefits of the Trump presidency? I don't think those states are booming either. Listen, those were man- this are, there are huge technological and social issues that have affected those parts of the country. We have lost so many manufacturing jobs, and manufacturing jobs are not coming back. When you see those job numbers, remember, those are not jobs like with pensions. Those are not jobs with full health care benefits. Those are retail jobs. And it's the same issues that affect the people in Flint, Michigan, that affect the people in Batavia. We need to figure out ways that address the structural inequality in our, in our economy to make sure that these, the economy is serving not just the corporate interests, but the interests of the people that serve the corporations. But you see in other states where manufacturing jobs are actually coming back to the United States. Why aren't they coming to New York State? If you look as a net across the country, manufacturing jobs are not coming back to the United States. And I got I to emphasize this as well. It's going to get worse with automation. As automation becomes more and more common and artificial intelligence becomes more and more common, you are going to see more and more jobs go away. Unless we have leadership in Washington to understand that our economy is changing again and that we can't just blame the people that are trying to get jobs, but understand that the structural elements of our economy have changed and we have to find a way to create new jobs, create new industries, we're going to continue to see failure in these parts of the country. So are you telling me right now, New York State taxes... Would you tell me they are too high or just right? New York state taxes are too high on the middle class. Absolutely. But why is that? Well, part of the reason why is your taxes went up because of, federal, because of Trump's tax plan. The cutting state and local taxes, the exemptions. Joe, we pay for Mississippi. We pay for Alabama. Look how much tax money they get back for what the, from what they pay. And the way we offset that with, with a state and local tax, tax exemption, President Trump punished New York State by doing that. Now, here's another thing. We, go ahead. I'm sorry. You look, you're trying to get in. No, I just want to ask you specifically, Nate, we, we hear candidates say this every two years, every four years, whenever they're running about how this has to change. If you do win election to New York 27, what will you do to jumpstart those jobs and to push back against these taxes that we're paying for for other states? It's not, listen, the, what we need to do is have a fair tax system. When the federal tax, when the federal income tax was first put in place, it was meant to tax the most elite Americans, not to be evenly distributed, not to put on every single household. We need to figure out ways to tax the ones with, that have the most who continue to grow and have more and more prosperity in this country. If you look at what federal, the, the tax giveaway under President Trump, it did not help the middle class. It did not help the economy. It helped the most elite corporations and the wealthiest Americans. That's a problem. It did not help middle class people in, here in NY27 or across the country. And you continue to see that division grow and grow. Well, we have to take a break. But I, I would argue, Nate, that we've seen numbers that other parts of the country, there are middle class people in the middle class who are seeing a higher paycheck who weren't working four years ago and they're working today, I, I think there might be some blame on the, on the federal government. I'm not going to say totally exempt the federal government, but you have to look at state government. And I think that's where New York's problem comes from. 
And if you ignore it, I don't think the problem will ever change. Joe, That's my opinion. Joe, I'm, I think there. Listen, I'm not running for state government. The guy I'm running against was a state senator. Let's put that. Let's let's stay there for right now. So if you want to blame him, blame him. But I will say this: real wages across the United States are not going up significantly. The GDP in America. Look it up, everyone listening. Is lower now than it was under Jimmy Carter. We can't pretend there's this boom happening all over the place and that regular people are getting be- are, are better and better off. The benefits of the current economy are by far and large, uh, by, by a huge margin, going to the most elite Americans. All right, we have one more segment with Nate McMurray. When we come back, it's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, last segment here on Hardline. Nate McMurray is with us, and we go to Brenda Alacy. So, Nate, I, I've got to ask you about the label. You were called a socialist in your opponent's commercials. Uh, how did you react to that? And are well, you a socialist? It, it drives me nuts. I mean, are, no, are you a socialist? No, I'm a capitalist. I believe the capitalist system has to be more fair so that it doesn't just serve just giant corporations and really, really rich people. I think you have to – and every corporation in the world – has attorneys and lobbyists and consultants that help them shape the market, help them draft laws, help them influence laws, help them make the market so it serves them. What we need is people in D.C. that do the same for regular people. Um, listen, when my opponent calls me a socialist on the air, it drives me nuts because he's got all the money in the world and he can make every commercial and say whatever he wants. And I'm just this guy in my Ford Explorer trying to ask people for you know five or ten bucks to, to compete against this guy who's connected to Albany, to D.C., and has endless pools of money. But the reality is he knows I'm not a socialist. I represented his family's company as an attorney. I still do. I, am the, I worked as the assistant general counsel. I'm now a vice president of business development. Um, I made them lots of money. Would they hire a socialist to do that for them? We're talking about Delaware North, right? Yeah, and it's, I'm not afraid to talk about it because I, I've done nothing wrong. I have been their representative. There's a lot of good people there, and even some members of his family. I actually, you know, I, I care about some of them. They're good people. Do I think they understand what regular people in NY27 go through? Absolutely not. But I do know a lot of people at that company support my candidacy and are, are fans of mine, and I think they know, as well as Mr. Jacobs knows, I am no socialist. I'm someone that can make people money, and I have proven it over and over again. How do you bring that skill set to Washington? I'm a, I'm a deal maker, just like the president says, but I, I've done it. You know, listen, I wasn't born into any type of wealth. Um, my mother was a widow. My father was a drywall guy. Uh, I talk about it all the time because it makes me who I am. I'm, you know, I, like my, my youth was more like a Bruce Springsteen song than anything else. I mean, I was raised to be tough and to get things done. And when I go to D.C., I don't care who's in the room, whether he's a billionaire or a millionaire, I'll look him in the eyes and say, how are we going to get a deal done for the people of NY27? I'm proving it right now, looking at the people, looking at, looking at the people I'm up against, looking at the people I'm employed by and saying, look it, we disagree. I'm a better man for this role. I'm standing up to, peop- I'm standing up to billionaires now and I'll do it in D.C. Nate, speaking of D.C. and the Democrat Party, what do you think the state of the Democrat Party is in 2020. You cut me right to the core here, Joe. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I think it's a mess right now. I'm not going to lie. I mean, what happened in Iowa is embarrassing. Uh, Listen, I wish it wasn't the case. And I'm worried about the future of our country because I think that we have the best salesman in the history of our country in the office, and he's not doing what he's saying he's doing. He keeps talking about win, win, win. 
But drug prices aren't down. He didn't give us the health care plan that he planned for every, that he said he was going to give to every single American. People are still living paycheck to paycheck. Manufacturing jobs, we just disagreed on it. But if I look at the numbers, they're not coming back. So I think that we need a strong candidate. Now, right now, I don't see one that's emerging. I think there's a lot of good people with potential. But I wish we could find that one person to say, look, we are going to present a different vision. And the vision we need is a vision that says, America has to serve regular people. It has to be about what it says in the founding documents of our country. We the people, to form a more perfect union for the general welfare, not for the welfare of the most elite people, not for the welfare for the people can afford to pay for corporate lawyers like me. We the people. Now back to your socialist label. I want to talk about that for a yes, second. Yes, please do. It's so funny because when I ran for the Democratic position to get this candidacy, I would hear the exact opposite. Nate, you're a corporate lawyer. Nate, you're a, you're a businessman. Nate, you're someone we can't trust. You're not one of us. But it depends who's making that case. The reality is I am a regular person, like a lot of you, who's trying to make his way in the world and believes that regular people should have a chance in America and have a shot at the American dream. Nate, uh, the the campaign slogan you had uh, after your loss to Chris Collins was "Fight like hell." Do you still maintain that? Is it is it something that drives you day in and day out as you go across this large eight county swath? It is because I love this place. This is my home. I came back to Western New York because I wanted to contribute and be part of it. Uh, I and I and listen, I've been connected to the people that live here, and even if you disagree with who I am, you can see who I am because I wear my heart on my sleeve. When I'm out there, I see a lot of people struggling, and I'm not trying to be—I'm uh, not trying to sell to you or be a politician about it. But we all know it's true. If you go across NY27, there is a lot of pain, and I'm not going to just try to, you know, indulge that pain. I want to find ways that make us bring together and make us unified. If that means finding a way to work with President Trump, I'll do it. But the goal is get health care to every single American and making sure that you and your kids have a reason to stay in NY27 and stay in Western New York and revive our towns, revive our, revive our main streets. Nate, what is one thing you learned in 2018 to help you with the 2020 campaign? You never can stop moving. It's like a running back. You got to keep your legs moving. There's so many times when I ran in that campaign last year that people would just laugh at us. We go into a room and they say, you guys got no money. You're selling T-shirts out of the back of your car. You got no chance. And we almost pulled off the biggest upset in, in New York State uh, electoral history. Now, you can say, well, the guy you ran against was indicted. But if you look at a lot of other cases where people ran against indicted candidates, we did not, you did not have the swing we had. Hundreds, well, thousands and thousands of Republicans and independents crossed over to vote for me. I haven't changed my positions. I'm the same guy I was then. I'm the same outspoken person I was. I was fighting like hell then. I'm fighting like hell now. But I learned you never give up till it's over. And you got to keep pushing. And then after the election, I kept pushing too because I knew that guy was going to go to jail. I knew this was going to start over again. I knew I couldn't give up. And that's the same attitude, the same dogged style that I'll take to Washington. Nate, are you licking your chops at the prospect of maybe having a split party in the sense that there may be people voting for Beth Parlato. There may be people voting for Chris Jacobs, and that you might have a, a bigger opportunity to slide into that role. Listen, no matter what, I'm an underdog, and everyone out there knows I'm an underdog. I do not have the endless pockets like my competitor has. 
We do not have the enrollment figures like my competitor has. When I ran against Chris Jacobs, there was people that never even heard of me or Chris Jacobs that were just going to vote party line no matter what, no matter how many doors I knocked or where I went. But at the same time, listen, if there's more division over there, I'm not going to lie, it helps me. But I think the division this time is absolutely justified. What happened with the selection of Chris Jacobs is wrong. It's not democratic. They went to a secret room, and the reason why you see much so much noise and anxiety is because it wasn't done the right way. Credit to the rural chairs of NY27 from the Democratic Party. Credit to them for getting together, making an open process. I went. There was a competitor against me. I went and debated her in open sessions. We went to, 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 to homes and to open storefronts and facilities across NY27, and we had open discussions. The process was completely open. Credit to the chairs of NY27 from the Democratic Party for doing it the right way. It was done the wrong way in the GOP. And I think the fact that I have this candidate going against me, I'll be honest, I'll say it right now on the air, I would, have much rather, I would much rather face him than the other ones that were possibly against me. Because people know he's fake. And I'm going to say it bluntly. Now, I may lose to him because of the enrollment status, but people know he's fake, and I think those other people that were running against him, they should be angry, and we're going to see that anger come out in November. All right. Nate, thank you so much for the hour. Nate, appreciate you coming in. One more in. thing. One more thing. If, if Mr. Jacobs, until the, until the election, I'll come in here every single Sunday and debate you if you want to. I want to expose your beliefs. I want to get on the air. Let's have your record every single Sunday. Let's look at each other across this table. Let's have that discussion. Joe and I would welcome that uh, opportunity. Yeah. I'm all for it. All right. When thank we come you, back, take care, guys. More Hardline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 